0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, August 27, 2007. I'm Caleb Brown. By controlling growth, can local governments control traffic congestion and pollution? Cato Institute senior fellow Randall O'Toole says cities governed by urban growth boundaries and other restraints on where people may live end up making many problems of cities worse. His new book is entitled The Best Laid Plans, How Government Planning Harms Your Quality of Life, Your Pocketbook, and Your Future, It's available at our website, cato.org.
1: Urban growth boundaries are supposed to limit urban sprawl. Urban sprawl is supposed to be a bad thing. The Russians say that Americans don't have real problems, and so they make them up. And urban sprawl is one of those made-up problems. All the urban areas in America cover less than 4% of the land area of the United States. Uh, urban sprawl is not a threat to farmlands, it's not a threat to rural open space, it's not a threat to forests, uh, it does not generate more pollution, and in fact the densest cities tend to be the ones that are the most polluted. So uh, the problems around urban sprawl are mostly imaginary, and what problems that do exist can easily be taken care of through other means other than drawing urban growth boundaries and otherwise uh, using urban planning to try to impose some Uh, central planners idea of how we should live on us
0: but it does sort of have an intuitive make an intuitive sort of sense that is you would be physically closer to a lot of things and that people stacked up on top of each other in tall buildings might uh, reap some sort of economies
1: well one of the arguments in favor of limiting sprawl is that uh, there's a cost of sprawl which is that if houses are located far out you have to, it costs more money to, to send, take urban services to those costs, to you know, run the, the sewer lines, the water lines, and, and other things like that. But you look at how the private market takes care of that. You have electric companies and telephone companies and other private companies providing services to those houses, and they'll, they'll charge them what it costs to provide it, and then let them decide. Do you want to live out here where it might cost a little more for your electricity or your phone, or do you want to live somewhere closer in? Uh, and in in government, we've elected to use a different way. We've elected to, uh, at least the governors, uh, the, the city councilors and so on, have decided to just limit where people can live. And instead of charging them more, if it actually does cost more, uh, just say, you can't live out there. There's two problems with that. First of all, it isn't really clear that it does cost more to live out, a little bit further out. The cost of developing greenfields on the urban fringe is really low and the cost of running urban services out there might be a few thousand dollars per home but compare that to the cost of taking a neighborhood of single-family homes in a, an existing city and tearing down those homes and building high-rises and then tearing up all the streets to put in new water lines and new sewer lines and other new facilities capable of handling all the people in your newer denser city those costs are much greater The other flaw with the idea of limiting urban sprawl is that it simply increases housing prices when you limit the market. The market for housing is very sensitive to supply. Uh, Housing is what economists call an inelastic good. That means that a very small change in supply can lead to a huge change in price. And what controls the housing market in, in a growing economy is the, mark, is the new homes. Uh, and so maybe only some of the homes being sold in a market are new homes. But if you restrict the supply of new homes a little bit and you greatly increase their price, all the existing home sellers say, look, our competition, the new homes are being sold for higher prices so we can raise the price of our houses too so that all the prices in the housing market go up. And when you get small restrictions on housing, either through urban growth boundaries or through open space purchases or through uh, restrictions on the number of building permits that can be issued each year or other kinds of regulatory restrictions, any of them can send high housing market, housing prices skyrocketing upwards. Uh, and it can spiral out of control. On the average in the United States, Americans... Uh, live in houses that cost about two and a half times the average family income. But you go to places that have been imposing these kinds of rules for a few years and housing prices can jump from two and a half times to five times to seven and a half times to in some cases more than ten times a media, an average family income. And that puts housing out of reach. You can't afford to buy a house if it's ten times your income because of course you can't dedicate all your income to the house. Uh, And so even if you got a 50-, 60-, or 70-year mortgage, you could not afford to even pay the interest on a house. So you end up living in a much smaller house than, uh, than you would normally want to live in.
0: What's the impact on local economies of that type of change in housing prices?
1: The real impact is that it discourages employers from moving into that area. Now, people may move there for a while because there's jobs there, and there's housing there, but the housing start prices start going up. And so new employers will say, well, instead of relocating here or instead of locating a new factory or an office building here, we're going to go to someplace cheaper. We're going to go to Omaha. We're going to go to Kansas City. We're going to go to Minneapolis, where it's a lot cheaper than San Jose or Los Angeles or Seattle. And so you start seeing this drain of employers out and not only does it slow the growth of the economy, which some people might think is a good thing, but it makes it more volatile. Uh, research by a, a eco- economist at Harvard has shown that when housing prices start going way up, uh, the housing market becomes more volatile, which means you're going to see bigger swings, you're going to be, see, see bigger downsides on the housing market as long, well as upsides, and jobs become more volatile. Uh, you might see jobs come in for a while, but then when there's a little recession, the employers flee and the housing market just uh, the housing market dies, but the jobs die as well. So you get uh, these huge swings in the economy that you don't get as much in
0: in places where the housing is more affordable. Randall O'Toole is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. He is the author of The Best Laid Plans, How Government Planning Harms Your Quality of Life, Your Pocketbook, and Your Future. It's available for sale at our website, cato.org. This is the Cato Daily Podcast. You may also consider making a donation to the work of the Cato Institute at cato.org.